Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax. It's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Yes, we're here. It's the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark, episode 101. And as promised, we will draw a major prize or prizes, as we will talk about in just a moment. Shortly, Mark, it is Friday the 20th of September 2019. And as we were talking off air, Mark, it has been a bit of a tiring few days or week or so, hasn't it, for both of us? But um, you have good weeks and you have bad weeks and you have weeks which are just pretty ordinary and I think by the sound of it uh, that's what we've both had. It is it has been one of those weeks Brendan and but I think each time I feel myself um, being drawn into that vortex of um, of well to be honest negativity I find that whether it's you or Doug or a bunch of other people you know our friends Bob and Rob and and uh, Sandy, um, there's a whole network of people that uh, if I can uh, manage to connect with them and have a bit of a yarn, I usually end up putting whatever's dragging me down into perspective and I feel a bit better. And certainly that's the, you know, I've worn your ear through to a thin um, (laughs) by whinging for half an hour before we started, but now I feel really good. It's good to have a bit of a bit of an ear to chat to, um, and I did the same with you, didn't I, Mark? I told you a few things that were happening in this corner of the woods, and uh, it. I feel, I feel relaxed now, and I feel <laughs> happy, and I feel excited about drawing our prize winners, which will happen shortly. And the reason why I'm saying prize winners, I've changed the rules again, as you, <laughs> as I mentioned to you beforehand, Mark. And we, because we hit the prize pack, is getting bigger and bigger. So I've decided to unilaterally um, divide it into two winners, Mark. Um, Share the love, Brendan. There is Share not a, the love. Exactly. And there is not a, a first prize and a second prize. They are both first prizes, Mark. So one prize will receive the new Alive Trek GPS tracker. And they can choose the model of their choice. This is from Doug from Microchips Australia, who's kindly supplied this. And they can choose either the Stealth, the Sentinel, the Guardian, or the Pet Trek 3G. So there's a big choice there. So we will contact both of the winners during the next few days. Um, We will wait till the podcast goes to air. So hopefully they will scream as they're driving along in the car, Mark, and hear that they've won, and we will wait <laughs> and contact them for probably a, a week or so. But if you haven't heard from us a few days after you hear your name being called out, send an email back again to us and we will send you the link about which one to to choose or which one you can choose from, those um, the model of your choice of the Live Trek GPS tracker and the second and, and also a print. So and that will be a print from yours 
truly mark you not me not my yours truly me so uh, perhaps a bird print i'd expect from you and uh, that you'll roll up into a cylinder and post off wherever in the world that the person is and the other first place winner will receive the lone star retractor ring also from doug and a pack of six surgical stays um, which are the little hooks that you use with the retractor and as we've mentioned several times we love our Lone Star retractor so that'll be a fantastic prize and also they will receive a print from one of my photos from India so well maybe it is a second prize Mark because your prints are always better than mine so mine will be um, that might be the second prize um, everybody's a winner a winner in that <laughs> everybody's a winner yes and we've had a few late entries haven't we they've sort of rushed in in the last few days um, and some very good emails from them including a, a really nice one from a vet student Christina um, which particularly caught my attention her email there saying that she um well i'll quote from her email there mark I, I just kept it open because i liked her little comments i listen to the vet podcast most often when i'm driving to placement or driving down to Werribee for class at the vet school it really brightens up my day and has me laughing throughout my drive i really enjoy it and i just want to thank you vet gurus for sharing your immense amount of knowledge you're welcome in such an amusing way keep up the fantastic work and i look forward to listening to 100 more so there you go christina um thank you very much for that lovely email we had a few other interested and well not just interesting really kind emails as well from some of the other entrants um so we might um shout out to those people um over the next few days or, or weeks or maybe years mark um what, what else have you been up to apart from um struggling with with some of the cases i'm about to cough so i put my put myself on mute <laughs> just momentarily mute yourself there brendan um they, they, i suspect there's some way like you do you you constantly whack me on mute and and uh, and sometimes i deserve it but um there's got to be some way that um, I can take control of that mute button too. Anyway, um, I was I was going to tell you that um, I've been enjoying um, a particular case about um, we get a, quite a few birds of prey who are presented to the hospital who have shoulder injuries, and I was looking online um, and noticed one of the X-rays, and uh, um, and I was pretty pleased to be um, uh, educated to um, see one of the other members of our uh, Unusual Pets and Avian Vets uh, Facebook group, she had some um, wonderful radiographs of those birds of prey. I really enjoyed uh, panning through them and, uh, um, and well, just feeling how, um, how inadequate our X-ray machine was looking at the beautiful films that were on that post, Brendan. But um, I, th I think I saw that post, Mark. It was, yeah, those sort of reference positioning um shoulder um joints oh, of, of various fractals yes 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 so no it was um it was um it points it to such a resource that um because i'm you know that i am often having an almighty whinge about uh, uh various things online various social media and particularly for our profession when we are you know both you and I have a concern about the factors that affect all our mental health in the veterinary profession. And I don't always think that social media is the panacea 
um, the all good thing. I think there are some really dangerous things and it needs to be managed in our personal life. Um, but this was one where I felt a bit uplifted and, and educated and I'll, I'll be a better vet for paying attention to that post. So, And no pun intended there, I hope, Mark, about being uplifted with that shoulder <laughs> injury and the raptor. So when well, it comes hopefully to, it does When it comes uplifted. to puns, I, in this podcast, it's all one-sided, Brendan. I just don't even <laughs> get to your level. I, I don't even try it. But down to my level, I should say, <laughs> Mark, yes. <laughs> Well, I think we should draw the prizes, Mark. Uh, otherwise, people will be um, will be well. They'll they'll drive off the road soon, won't they? <laughs> um, if if they don't hear if they have won or not. So, what I've done is it's very scientific. What I've done this this time, Mark, instead of having a little hat and writing down the names and doing it old school. I've jumped online to a random number generator. That is alloc- so modern. And um, I'm going to hit generate on Google's random number generator and then cross-reference it with the people who have um, entered the competition. So, so how do the people who've entered, what numbers do they get? Is it just like um, order of arrival? Yeah. Yes, and I just noticed something. I allocated some numbers to people from the previous competition. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Let me have a look here. I have to jump back into the 100th competition. Um, there we go. Um, do, 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 instead of the 50th, there we go. Okay. Yep, no, good. Yeah, no, so it's just, yeah, well, sort of, well, just cut and paste basically, Mark, <laughs> and, and then um, and then hit the random number generator. So I'm about to – so the first prize, Mark. Ooh, I'm hit have the, you got a drum roll? I've, I've, no, you'll have to put it something. in later. All I've got, Mark, as you know, let me have a look what sounds I have there. <laughs> no, I've lost that particular sound that um, I used to. I've just got that ballpark one, this one. That'll do. That's the only one I have. Um, and I don't know why that's on there, but it came with the program that we re- used to record. So here we go. So the first winner is, let me hit generate. You, you almost need a sound effect there too. It is. Oh, it's somebody, well, it's somebody we know. It's somebody fairly local. Good. So it's going to save us a lot of money with postage. And that is Amanda Brett. Congratulations, Amanda. Amanda, so you get to choose the Live Trek GPS tracker, whichever model of choice you wish, the Stealth, the Sentinel, the Guardian, or the Petrek 3G from Duggett Microchips Australia. And also a fantastic print from Mark, who um, you'll have to send me the pic of the one that um, you are going to select there, Mark. Um, I presume you, I haven't chosen a pick for my um, print yet, so I don't know whether you're way ahead of me with that. But fantastic, Amanda, well done. If you haven't heard from me or Mark within a week or so, send us an e- a follow-up email and uh, we will send out the prize pack to you. So well done. So we've got one left, Mark, to go, one left to go. And we're all winners here, apart from all those who lose, Mark. So here we go. It is number – okay, this one is oh, – this is going to cost us a little <laughs> bit more, Mark. <laughs> this is Riley Grealish um, from – I think from the USA Riley is from. I'll have to um, look up the email address for Riley there um, or the original email. So, Riley, you have won the Lone Star Retractors. 
and the pack of six, six surgical stay hooks as well as a print from myself which will probably be a portrait from one of the um, people that I cornered in India um, when I was on my little trip there. So, yeah, congratulations. So there are That's two winners, awesome Mark. awesome news, Brendan. They, um, it's, it, the only sadness I bear through this whole procedure is the, that we can't give prizes to every single one who um, of the hundreds of people who send us emails. Um, it's uh, um, it, it's um, what, as well as talking to you, it's lifted me further um, up and made me happy to know that there are actually people listening to us and uh, and I'm overwhelmed that they send us messages and talk to us and and uh, and yeah just to know that they're listening is a good thing yes i've found riley and riley is the class of 2022 at ISU University, um, UNLISU, and I'm trying to work out what uni that is in the States, but um, there we go. Say hello from Nebraska. That's where Riley is, Mark, in Nebraska. And this week was the start of my second year, and Riley contacted us previously, Mark, thinking about getting into veterinary science, I think, um, if you remember that about a year or so ago. And uh, still enjoys our episode. Well, that's that's a bit of a turn up, isn't it? Um, especially because they cover exotics, which we are only occasionally mentioned in other vet podcasts. I also like hearing the reviews of products, movies, and everything else. Hope, hope everything's going well there in Australia. So there we go. That was the email entry from Riley. So. Well done, Riley, and same story. If you haven't heard from us via email within a week or so after this podcast goes out on Friday the 20th, then fire another email to us and um, we'll sort out. We'll need your postal address, yes, and same with uh, we may have Amanda's, but same with Amanda if you can send the best address um, to send all the gear to you. So there we go. There's our competition mark and um, perhaps we'll do one for 150 if we make it to 150, which I hope we, we do. Definitely um, so we definitely will. We're definitely going to get to 150. Not even not every even 50. <laughs> Excellent, every 50. So um, I don't think we should do a review this week, not just because we don't have a review and I'm almost ready with a couple of reviews there, Mark, but I think we should jump because our topic this week I think is going to take a, our main topic a little bit of time. So let's jump into our two news stories and um, if you like, uh, do you want me to take the first one? I'll take the first one and that's how a turtle tunnel is saving lives in Wisconsin in the USA. And, gee, I've heard lots of different Results with these sorts of wildlife tunnels, Mark, some are an absolute disaster, both the tunnels and the ones where they do the, the little bridges. overhead um, bridges, yes, bridges and tunnels, yes, good get there, Mark. Yeah. Um, so, yes, um, this was a highway in Wisconsin where they had to resurface a highway and they decided to build an underpass below it to help the turtles get safe passage there. And the thing I like with this particular um, tunnel, they kept modifying I, I, the tunnel I, I, there, Mark. And I don't I'm know the same as you. I'm picture. very impressed that they've, um, they've you know, because um, we have, there's a spot up here in Newcastle where um, when they've built a bit of the Pacific Highway going north of here, they put whack, whack, whacking great um, telegraph poles with all the setup for, uh, you know, one of those um, 
they have them quite a lot, the nets that, that create a bridge possums, and they haven't yes. put any nets on them. They've just like, you know, it's obviously been part of the development consent that they've got to do this because they're ploughing a giant road through the forest. But then once the road's up, they, it all gets forgotten. But in this instance, you can see that they're, um, there's ongoing review of the design of these things and they, they do look like they've made some significant improvements, Brendan. They were thinking, and as I mentioned in the article, and as obviously I'd like this pun, there is light at the end of the tunnel because they put flashing, they put white flashing at the tunnel entrance to help reflect light, and the shiny flashing at the ends of both both ends of the tunnel reflect light and show the sky, so the turtles know they have a path to cross the highway. And since they did that, the turtles have been loving it, and lots and lots of turtles have been using it and they also place some grates over the tunnel to lighten the passageway as well mark and also one-way slippery slides which they call excluders from the roadway down for the safety of small animals like toads etc that sometimes get trapped along there um, to stop them getting getting caught up there and yeah that's what's well, been here a while this tunnel isn't it so, so the statistics are that since the tunnel was built in 2016 only 40 turtles have been killed on that particular precarious stretch of road. And previously, there were 66 in just one year. And I presume it was the year before they built the tunnel there, Mark. So, um, yeah, 66 in one year. And from 2016, I presume, 2016, 17 and 18, and maybe counting summer 2019, only 40. So I think it's, it's a, it's a good, good news story, and, Mark. And it, look, I think the other thing to mention about it, Brendan, is that it doesn't look like it's a, you know, because of the actual tunnel was incorporated in the design of the road um, when the road was being, re, you know, relayed, um, I don't think this is a particularly expensive, um, uh, you know, um, facility to protect turtles. I like the little um, fence that guides the turtles to the tunnel. Um, and, um, and yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of um, you can see that a lot of ongoing thought and consideration has gone into the process and, yeah, it is a good news story. You've got a good one, Brendan. It was a good one, and I think you've got a good one as well. It's a, well, certainly a very interesting news it story. Is, it is um, an interesting one. Um, it's from our uh, usual, well, probably our main um, source of these stories, the Mother Nature Network, and it talks about um, about manatees. Um, and I always um, feel it's one of the connections between our country and the good old US of A, that we both have, um, you know, we've got the dugongs and they have the manatees um, and uh, and they are, well, have you, have you seen them, you've seen dugongs in the wild, Brendan? You're on, you're on mute. You're coughing away again. Um, I've been lucky enough. Yes, I was on mute. I was on mute and I was having a little bit of a cough, got a bit of a, this time of the year, I don't know whether you, get hay fever much mark but i've been a little bit phlegmy and a little bit hay fever in the last few days so yeah apologies for leaving myself on mute too too long i haven't seen them in the wild i have seen them in yeah, captivity. i've been lucky enough to 
um, up far north Queensland see dugongs at a distance in the wild um, and um, and it would be wonderful to see. Um, there seems to be, um, my feed has had a few manatee stories lately, so I'm pleased to be able to um, touch base with you about them here. Um, and, of course, we, you know, they're often referred to as sea cows because of their gentle, slow-moving vegetarian nature. And, they, you know, with a bit of imagination you could... Uh, you could um, see how that face could be confused with a cow in the water. Um, <laughs> they, they, um, I'll tell you what, talk about being confused about how they look. Historically, they have the reputation for being mistaken for mermaids. Um, but, geez, I'm... I'm um, it's one ugly mermaid, Mark. <laughs> um, I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> but this story... Um, is about um, because they they are known to uh, move between uh, freshwater, brackish water, and salt water, um, and there there a, a, a video of a manatee popping its head out of the water and drinking uh, rainwater from a downpipe um, has sort of triggered people to wonder how they cope with their water balance. Um, and it turns out that they do rely predominantly on fresh water to drink, um, but they can adapt, their kidneys can cope uh, for periods of time, uh, cope, uh, taking the, removing the salt from salt water. So if they do have to spend some time in uh, marine environments, having a munch on the... Uh, um, the grasses, sea grasses, um, then they can drink the seawater that they're in. But um, but the, it does appear that they can't do that forever um, and they they do seek out um, uh, plants with dew on them or whatever close to the water if they, uh, if they you know, they have a preference for fresh water um, and they obviously drink the fresh water when they drift through the Florida estuaries and uh, into the fresh water. Um, so I, that, that it is, it's it is interesting, Brendan, to always think like you know. I've often thought about manatees, but I've never thought about what they drink. Yes, it's it doesn't go into, into a great deal of detail, but gee, it's a, it's something that you could spend another another thing you could spend your whole life on studying why and how much man and the manatee kidney, Mark. How how fascinating would. Spending your life on the manatee kidney bee, um, especially when you go to dinner date, dinner dates or dinner um, dinner events and that, and that, and somebody asks you what you're doing, you say, "Oh, I'm a, I've researched the manatee kidney." Um, so, I salute you, people who um, I would I would look at manatees. I would enjoy that dinner party if if I, I we would sit there in awe of the person waxing lyrical about yeah. their work with the manatee kidney. We would, the, the, the mermaids of the sea, Mark, yes. <laughs> well, I think we should jump into our main topic because it may we may go over time with this. Um, and we may. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I live in hope, Mark. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an optimist most of the time and I hope that we may finish a little bit early, but who knows, we may not. And our main topic is bunny, the bunny consort, the first rabbit visit. So this one's particularly aimed at veterinarians and, and perhaps the veterinary technicians who do the um, initial consultation as well with a new owner who phones up and says, I've just bought a bunny, um, help, what do I do? Um, and the obvious answer is bring it in for a consultation. So we're going to talk about what 
Well, what we particularly do, and, and perhaps we'll leak out some tips and tricks, Mark, that, that you and I do when we're examining the little bunny consult um, for the first time, and um, hopefully we won't miss anything too obvious that we need to need to do for that new bunny consult, Mark. Um, and I think the first thing we need to really chat about is is booking that consult in. So do you want to take that, Mark? And and what's the important bits that you really stress or that you teach your staff when they have that phone call of, I've bought a bunny, what do I do? Well, the first thing is to make sure that we've got enough time because that's the, um, the thing with many of these initial consults with exotics is that... Um, that we are going to be spending a fair bit of, we're going to invest some time. And I think uh, both from the point of view of a veterinary practice, it's time well spent to explain a lot of these things uh, because you are the advocate for the welfare of the animal. And a lot of the things that we tell people about our rabbits are not, you know, they're, they're, you can find them online or in books, but they're clouded by a whole lot of misinformation. And so um, that investment in clarifying that husbandry um, that husbandry information is well spent um, and you don't want to be caught with the pressure of a dog vaccination, you know, immediately and cutting yourself off um, before you've had a chance to explain everything. It's also important to have a whole lot of stuff prepared because there is so much to talk about. You want people to have um, uh, access to, you know, a series of handouts so they can refer back to the information that you've given them uh, because we all know that um, the information that we give clients, they covet, but they struggle to remember. What is the statistic, Brendan? How much do the clients remember of the stuff that you say? I can't remember, Mark, I must admit, but it is, well, who knows? Um, I, I can, yes, I, I think it's you. It's about that the research suggests that um, less than a seventh of the uh, topics we tell them they can recall with, you know, a couple of days later. So one seventh, I'm writing that down, Mark, one over seven. Yes. Um, Yes, we love handouts at the clinic. And I think the important bit there is with these unusual pets especially, a lot of what we give is just information, information and more information. And, yeah, they they can end up drowning in all that information. So it's great to have several different handouts that summarise all those important things that we will, well, we'll, we'll briefly talk about or maybe in a little bit more detail um, shortly, Mark. Um, so they've got it there and you could say, look, here's our little rundown on diet and we'd, and I would summarise the important factors with, with diet for a rabbit and then I would... Um, give them the handout and say, look, here's, here's the summary again and it has a little bit more detail. And, um, yeah, I think it's important to keep saying the same thing over and over, isn't it, Mark? I think you'll have another statistic on <laughs> the importance of saying things at least two or three or four or five and times. saying it in different ways to... too, like um, having a handout, Absolutely. having a model, having a writing something like video or whatever here and the physical diet in front of you showing them what that the the hay you recommend looks like um showing them what their horrible um muesli mixes look like and i have a jar of one of them in the consult room that i point out to them and and because it's it's amazing on that jar 
Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's um no, it's it's um, it's amazing how many people don't realise what that yeah. is, and and then they'd, they'd fill out their um, history form, which is something that we need to talk about. Um, with, with that consult, we tend to ask clients when they're phoning up for that first consult, regardless of what the animal is, that they get onto our website and download a basic history form for the species in question and they fill that out before they get to the consultation because we end up learning so much from what they do and don't um, write down in that um, history form there, Mark, and it saves a lot of time, do you I think. think it definitely phase. does. Do you think – I've got – I think seem to recall – this is a statistic I can't remember <laughs> – but I think that people are more honest when they do it that way. If they've got their, if they're facing you, they will often try to give you answers that make you happy. But when they're filling out the form at home, they're often just a little bit more honest, and you sometimes get that uh, information in a form that gives you more clues. So I, I reckon those forms are excellent, Brendan. What about the sort of container that you, the enclosure, the carry cage, the basket how do you what sort of things do you ask them to bring the rabbit in in yeah. well there's a couple of there's one very important thing don't bring the rabbit in without with, with, with without making sure there's some food in that enclosure as well mark um because we worry about our gut stasis in all these small little herbivores and they need to have food in with them um even if they're only coming from 10 minutes away or around the corner um that rabbit is going to be stressed out that young little bunny that's coming in for first consultation regardless of of how well you deal with that consultation and we want them to be eating we always want them to be eating and it's another good little trick isn't it mark um to make to suggest to them okay bring your animal in with its um with its little it may just be a little cat carry cage that they put their rabbit in it needs to be it needs to be escape proof obviously predator proof if it happens to be set out front before they put it in the car um it needs to ideally be leak proof as well in case it does a bit of a wee in that enclosure and ideally i like them where they're they're reasonably well covered mark and that there's not a great deal of light shining in there so that that rabbit does feel that it's not been looked at all the time and if it is a, a really open wire cage that they also cover it just in a simple towel or a blanket as they're bringing it to the clinic and they're bringing it into the vet clinic as well but when you look in that enclosure in in the actual consultation just before you do the examination of the patient it's amazing how many of them that may have written down on their little form that they just feed it, feed it a hay and veggie type diet um, you look in that little um, container and there they have um, the horrible rabbit mixes and all sorts of little bars of um, bars of nuts and seeds that they bought at the supermarket that are held together by, by sugar um, and all those sorts of horrible little treats you can buy at some of the supermarkets, Mark. So, it's, um, you know, it doesn't tell a lie um, what they've put in there. So, yeah, my long answer to your short question, Mark, is that we make sure that it has some food in that enclosure. As far as what the actual container you bring it into the clinic in, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. And typically it is a little, a little cat carry cage. If they don't have that, it may even, although it's not ideal, be a, a, a fairly sturdy um, cardboard box, um, although it's not ideal. Um, but we certainly need that animal contained and i i constantly roll my eyes at, at clients who have their patients that are roaming free around their car mark and um 
you know, I don't know about you, but I've had some people have had, you know, even snakes and all sorts of animals that have been just loose in their car, Mark, as they're driving. Um, have you got any other little tips about um, about what to bring the rabbit in? I don't, I don't know about you, Brendan, but we sort of, uh, you're, you're exactly, you've hit the nail on the head as usual with the um, the sort of covered cage, the wire top cage where they feel exposed, the rabbits, particularly in a vulnerable circumstance they're much more you know stressed and likely to develop complications but i really love the um the one the cages we can oyster shell the ones that are relatively secure and not going to fall apart but where we can do with just a few clips or screws we can untake the top off and rather than wrestling the rabbit out through the lid or through the the front we can just sort of take the top off and there's the rabbit sitting in half of the um half of its enclosure and um and i just find that if you do that slowly and gently and um and you're um you're not uh you know suddenly whipping the lid off and staring straight at the rabbit they they um they they feel more comfortable they still feel they have all those same smells and textures that have been made them feel safe on the trip down and so yeah, it's a nice way to get access to the rabbit without necessarily having to um, wrestle them out. And it, it, when they, when I do have to wrestle them out, um, not that I'm any good at wrestling, but invariably they, you, they, one of those swing doors open or the wire uh, at the top has a gap just big enough for them to stick one of their hind feet in, yes. and they. They put the brakes on. Yeah. find that spot, and um, then you're worried about you know snapping a leg. They're going to kick it, and opportunity. Yes. So those oyster shells, for those of you who don't um, know what Mark's talking about, are those carry cages, and they're usually made for either small mammals or, or cats, yeah. aren't they, Mark? They they open out sort of. Well, the other way I describe them is a bit like a flower, Mark. They <laughs> the petals are opening. Uh, a flower that's 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 blooming, Mark, and they and they open out uh, outwards. So there you go. Um, do you like I that description? <laughs> I don't know what to say, Brendan. <laughs> so yes, so we want it secure. We want easy access to the animal, and I've got a little tip about getting that rabbit out of the enclosure when we talk about the actual hands-on examination, Mark, in the consultation shortly. Um, what else to bring, Mark? Is there anything else you suggest the client that they bring apart from their their credit card and the food that they put in with them? Um, I do try to get them. It's, this has been uh, particularly with our exotic pets. I've been making a bigger and bigger effort to ask um, the clients to bring some photographs, um, particularly of the enclosure, maybe some of the uh, behavior the mobile phones with their uh, their absolutely wonderful capacity to take those images and because people always have them on hand um, I do tend to ask them to take some pictures some context pictures I often call them so I can get an idea of the enclosure and maybe get a bit of a feel for how clean they are um, it's always good for the client to oftentimes they'll bring um, Fecal samples by default, because most rabbits who are um, have access to food and are relatively calm will produce stools in their carry cage. Um, but it's always good for the clients to bring a couple of fecal pellets in at the same time they first bring their rabbit in, Brendan. 
Yes, spot on. I was going to mention the photos as well, so absolutely spot on. And we're increasingly asking clients to do that for any to- any species that's brought in and also when they're monitoring pets at home and you say, look, if that sore leg becomes a little bit more swollen, um, take a photo and compare it with the photo we just took in the consult room for, with your phone and they'll say oh good idea yeah so it's amazing how many people don't think about taking photos of an ongoing issue with their pet um, and it's amazing those context ones as you say mark a, a bit of an overview of that hutch that they have at home or the environment that that bunny lives in tells a thousand a, a, a photo tells what was it's, it's, it's very useful Brendan. it's generally useful it, it's it's good to have. It is good to have. Yes, and I'm. A, you I'm are on a roll. Tonight, I love it. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask I'm you. Just, what, 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 <laughs> what am I drinking? Uh, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. I have an empty glass in front of me, Mark, and that was a coffee that I made myself with my um, DeLonghi coffee machine, Mark, and I also have a glass of. Melbourne water in front of me. That's all I've got. Are they euphemisms for anything? Tell me about about the enclosure. um, When you do look at those photos from home, what things about enclosures make you smile with satisfaction at a rabbit owner well-versed in um, the things that they need? And then what things make you think, oh, dear. Now, well, yes, I'm going back one step, Mark. I want to talk about those those. care sheets or the the client information sheet is, or the patient information sheet that we talk about it's a bit sad I'm a, I get a bit sad when I look at some of the the grammar that people have and and the lack of the lack of basic English uh, that people have a have a grasp of or lack of market no, it, it is a bit scary no, I'm, it just gets a bit sad that we get some people who I see some people who filled out forms, and, and not only is their spelling terrible for basic words, um, that their grammar is um, all over the place. And you know, these days, I'm rare to mark anything above a C plus mark um, with their care sheets. It's just amazing. Um, no, I'm, I, I, do you find that it, it is a bit sad? Some of the some of the, um, and, and I'm generally a bit sad at some at the lack of um, basic skills with writing um, that some people have in there. And I think they're used to, and and the style of the writing, Mark. How poor the writing. I'm not. I'm not trying to be no, silly. No, I, but, I'm, but I'm just you... amazed at at the um, at the rabbit hole <laughs> you've wandered down. But I do. Um, I do think that just now that we've talked about it, um, I, it is a um, you know the the. The absence of the three R's. The absence of um, uh, trying to attain proficiency in in you know those literacy, um, and here in New South Wales we have a um, I think it's nationwide, isn't it? The um, uh, what's the exam that NAPLAN? Yes, um, and there's big controversy about um, that national exam, which is meant to demonstrate the standard to which students have reached. Um, in terms of literacy and numeracy. But um, uh, the results yes. from that test uh, have plateaued like for the last decade um, and despite, um, well, a fair bit of input from politicians directing teachers on how to teach, um, we, we don't seem to be seeing um, 
improvements commensurate with the effort the teachers are putting in. Um, and I do worry that um, we don't celebrate excellence in those things like we once did. So I'm, I'm hearing you, Brendan. I, I, I often get the red pen out and put some scratchy marks on the, on the um, client forms and, and sometimes <laughs> it's even hard to, um, to, to know what they're, they're, um, they're trying to say. Anyway, I send them, I send them back, back into the waiting, waiting room and they have to sit in supp- supplementary exam, Mark. <laughs> they, have to fill, they have to fill in another version of it, yes. Yeah. So they, yes. If you can't do it right the first time. <laughs> That's right, yes. So what, what was the question, Mark, that you had for me? <laughs> what sort of cages do you think are good and what ones do you think are bad? Ah, yes. Good, very good question there, Mark. Um, yes, so cages that do not have a wire floor where the rabbit is just hopping around on the wire floor there, Mark, and unfortunately most of the most of the traditional hutches that people can purchase or, or online plans to make themselves usually have a wire floor with the thought that if it's raised off the ground a little bit or even if it is on the grass outside that the faeces will drop through there but um, it's certainly not great for that particular rabbit because it will make them prone to getting pododermatitis and issues there so that's one of the first things I look for to make sure that they have a a solid sort of lining on the floor there and if they do have a wire heart chart I usually suggest to them that they have that lined with hay or or sheets of of paper or something equivalent to that or straw um, on top of it mark but ideally a solid a solid sort of marine plywood is what I tend to recommend for them um, on on there. Um, I know, I know decent, whatever whatever marine plywood they cut to fit the floor, it would not be as square as the wood you cut. <laughs> <laughs> and then a nice little hide area so that within that hutch they need somewhere to get away and escape and hide from human eyes, Mark. Um, and again, I'm a bit, little bit depressed about some of the enclosures I see where they don't have a, a nice area um, that they can get away from. And it is, um, it's, a good, it's critically important it is, it, it, because I think a lot of um, people do not take on board the fact that these are prey animals and they need a refuge, they need a hide. Um, and when they are sitting stock still, it's not because they're happy to be right beside the owner's big dog. It's because they're scared out of their cotton-picking minds. And um, and so I think just emphasising that they are prey animals, they are predated upon by um, many other species, and uh, they want to, they need a refuge. They um, they will be happiest when they have that facility to hide. They won't use it all the time, and particularly if they're well cared for and they feel safe, um, they'll be out. Um, and they shouldn't be restricted. The hutch they have should not be the limit of their range. They should. I like the clients that have house rabbits, Brendan, that um, um, give them some exposure to sunlight and outdoors, but they um, they they live with them, and uh, the, but their hutch and the hide there within, um, you know, that provides a safe place, a a haven for that rabbit. Yes, and for those outside hutches, they do need a run, as you hint in there, Mark. They need an exercise yard or a little area or a big area, ideally, that they can get around and and do rabbity things in there, Mark. Um, the other thing I'm always concerned about with some of these enclosures is the lack of cleaning with them, Mark, and the, the poor hygiene there. And on our 
patient history forms, if, if the client manages to fill them incorrectly, um, they should be stating how often, one of the questions is how often do you clean the enclosure and with what? So what would you recommend as being the correct answer to those two questions, Mark? Um, well, very frequently they should, and it depends a little bit on the substrate as you highlighted before. I like um, the rabbits to have a, uh, a bed of hay, say, over the top of their marine ply floor, um, and I reckon that cha- that hay needs to be changed well, um, quite possibly every day. Um, there will be, and particularly in the part of the enclosure where they do eliminate, and particularly in the part where they urinate, um, that if that's left for any uh, period of time, then. Um, bacterial degradation will lead to um, the release of ammonia from that uh, nitrogenous rich waste and um, that that um, first of all uh, is caustic to the skin of the rabbit who hops over the top of it um, but will also irritate the mucosa of the um, upper airways and even more deeply so um, so I think yeah very frequently um, and um, and what do we clean it with? Well, it depends a little bit on the surface, doesn't it, Brendan? But I have to have a shout out here to um, to uh, um, our good friends at uh, uh, Chemical Essentials. We use a lot of F10 in those circumstances. We uh, we do like to um, elbow grease uh, and um, remove the organic material and then a little bit of exposure to uh, the gentle antiseptic action of um, F10. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself, Mark. Yeah, it's very similar to what I'd suggest to my clients with their with their rabbits there. Um, and they, what about what about an area for the rabbits to go to the toilet, Mark? What do you recommend for that? Well, this is a good question, Brendan, and um, and it probably is a very uh, pertinent thing to talk about because um, because they can be toilet trained, um, and so I think uh, having a litter tray with a suitable substrate uh, into which, um, particularly when the rabbit is very young and being introduced to its new environment, um, it will urinate on, you know, uh, some hay. Putting that hay into the litter tray and um, and allowing the rabbit to smell that area as a, um, as a particular place that can be used to urinate in um, and then once they do start to use it then obviously you can use that tray and, and whichever substrate we regularly use the um, the uh, kitty litter that uh, the, the newspaper breeders choice newspaper recycled newspaper kitty litter um, and um, I sort of do despair the the way that newspapers are um, are, uh, are well pretty much failing enterprise. Disappearing, what, yes. I, I do wonder what's going to happen to the Breeders' Choice Company in the next five or ten years. Um, but at the moment, that's what we would uh, routinely use. And um, and once the rabbits are familiar with that texture and the uh, and the, the nature of the material, then that's something that can be used in the house and they will, um, they will use litter trays and be house trained. So... Um, it's not always easy. I don't pretend for a second that um, it's a simple thing for people to house train their litter train their uh, rabbits, but it definitely can be done. And when uh, it is done, it makes uh, living with them so much easier because obviously you're just cleaning out the um, the bit for um, that the you know the litter tray. You're not necessarily having to 
remove on a daily basis all the substrate in their hutch or wherever else they've moved around. Yes, and some are very, very clean and um, some are pretty messy, Mark. I think like like variations on individuals with all species there, Mark. But, um, yeah, the ones that you are good at using the litter tray are are often they're quite clean animals, the rabbits that, that do that, especially those house rabbits that are used to having their little corner with their litter tray in there. So what about, well, our next little dot point, Mark, on our little agenda there, Mark, and this is one that... I think is really important that a lot of people forget about, and that is getting a friend. Do you want to talk about that? Well, I haven't had a friend before, so once I got, <laughs> once I got you. <laughs> of course, every, the rabbits, people have to realise that rabbits are social animals that in the wild would live together, and even um, they're not very good at um, at completely grooming themselves. That, that aloe grooming where uh, other rabbits from their family group would help them um, groom certain remote parts of their body. Um, even something like that is a significant uh, contribution to their well-being. But um, they are social animals, and um, and obviously we as humans can't satisfy all those social needs as much as we try. Um, and uh, having more than one of them and is a is a, an enhancement to their quality of life. Of course, Brendan, you were going to jump in there and just highlight the fact that. Um, there are, when you say getting a friend, it is difficult sometimes because if you've had a rabbit for a while and you introduce a new rabbit to them, um, they 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 may well be a little bit territorial and rabbit fights are a common reason for me to have to talk to some of our rabbit clients. Um, so I strongly suggest at the time that, you know, particularly at that first consult, there's a bit of a unique opportunity to uh, to get the rabbit uh, the new rabbit, uh, familiar with a uh, friend and um, set that arrangement up for their life. Yes, and I think that's a good topic for a, a whole main topic, Mark, about some of these behavioural issues and, and dealing with and the process of, of, of bonding a, a new friend with with a rabbit or a guinea pig or some of these other species that we strongly recommend living, living in groups, Mark. So... I'll add it to the list of, of future main topics otherwise because it is one we can talk about for a whole a whole hour there, Mark. I think we need to gee, we might split this one up into two, <laughs> I reckon, Mark. We're gonna to have to split. I tell you, podcasting's hard work, you know, Mark, because I, I put myself on mute, you may have seen just a few minutes ago, because I got cramp. Um, I got cramp in my ha- hamstring, my hammy, Mark. I did a hammy um, just sitting here doing the podcast and I finally realised why, why it happened. I was, I did a few Ks on the spin bike this afternoon, Mark. Did, did you um, have, I've, been, I've been meaning to ask you because um, you, you, are, you are a, a spin bike fanatic, I know, but um, we were talking about the, the um, you know, your, your, the program that gives you a... Yes, yes. yes. Tell us about so, it. Well, I haven't. I still haven't. Sort of. I've narrowed it down a little bit. These are the um, augmented reality one I was using today, um, where you see a little. So it's a a HD film or or, or, or actual um, um, video of somebody who's driven along anywhere. You know, there's there's probably this this particular program has something like two hundred fifty thousand routes you can choose over the world, where people have gone out and filmed. But you know anything from a few kilometres to 
a hundred kilometer or so um, route where you may consider you want to go for a bike ride um, from and, and I think they just put in little little GoPros on the on the bonnet of their car mark on the front of their car um, because they they're they're really good quality um, high definition or even 4k video mark wow. um, and then it overlap this particular one it overlays a, a, a virtual rider which you know is Brendan um, um, in his in his lycra there mark um, on the road um, and as you speed up and go um, go slow or, or, or um, it will speed up or, or slow down um, based on the gradient um, and based on whether you're going downhill and based on basically how, ma- how, ma- how much wattage you're producing because the little sensor I have in, in the wheel that I um, crank around um, measures how many watts I'm producing and then that sends it via Bluetooth to the program. Wow. Um, so so is it, it um, the augmented reality thing, is it a, um, you know, the, the virtual reality glasses or...? No, no, it's it's just projected. It's and the one the one I was using today is on the Apple TV, so it's on the big TV. It's on the TV, so I sit on the bike and then I see a picture of the. It, and this was a this was a a little ride. It was I, I chose it because I'm only just starting up with this sort of thing, so I'm not very fit at the moment. Um, and it was only about a four kil four and a half five kilometer ride, but. I made the mistake of just choosing a ride based on um, distance, and this one <laughs> and not had it, I it gradient. The gradient, yeah, it had, it had an average gradient of about eight percent or something, which is pretty <laughs> high. Um, so I was absolutely the sweat was pouring off me, and then, and it was very it's very good because when when you get to the hilly sections, the the gradient gets obviously higher or harder um, percentage wise. Um, the less wattage you're producing, um, it slows down. So you end up slowing to a crawl and you're literally walking at a normal pace. So it, it's, it, yeah, it, they're very good, very good. Um, and I will be trying this one again next time I jump on the bike and you can have another virtual rider with you and you can select somebody who's, you know, very good or very poor. I'll be selecting somebody who's very very unfit and then you race against them so you see them either behind or in front of you um depending on how well you're going and you use them as your little marker to 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 encourage you to ride faster so yeah no i was very impressed but it was it was in the uk this particular one in in the united kingdom in england somewhere it's a nice little country lane i think it was in in yorkshire um where it was um Lovely scenery. So you look at this really nice scenery as you're you're sweating um, were there, were there, on the bike. Were there any so, people in, yeah. the, in the? Yeah. No. Well, if, yes. Yes. So it was filled. So there was at one stage a bus of tourists went past me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and 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 I was a bit worried there because for a second there I thought, oh God, I hope they're not going to hit me. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. No, it's um, it's it's quite uncanny. Um, so I was I was very impressed with this one. So. Um, I won't mention the name of it, but um, there's, a, there's another one that I've been using that's a little bit more um, game-like, a bit more cartoony, um, but there's a lot, lots more users at any one time um, and you'd be on a track and this main track that they use is in London and, you, and you're cycling around central London, um, but it's not – it's 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 um, like a video game one. It's not 
you know, um, um, actual filmed um, like like the one I did today. But at any one time, there's probably three or 400 people cycling around you and you can see their names and what country they came from. Um, um, so, yeah, so the aim of it is it's, it gives you something to, to aim for all of these rather than just sitting on an exercise bike in, in your in your um in your lounge room or study um and being bored out of your brain, you, you you're looking at a screen and you've got something to aim for and and yeah, the little pedal that I purchased um measures the wattage and, and it and it sends it to whichever program you're connected to. That's excellent. So so yeah, good fun. So Next time you're down in Melbourne, Mark, um, you'll have to jump on the bike, or, or you'll probably you'll probably sit, sit there with a beer and watch exactly me. Right. I expect. <laughs> so yeah, so I I got pretty bad cramp about five minutes ago, Mark, and I thought maybe I'm I'm trying to podcast too hard, um, but I think it was the um, residual. Yes, um, I need to take a bit more potassium or something, um, or a bit more salt, or, or whatever it is that stops um, cramps because. Do you think anybody's worked out exactly what causes cramp in humans or animals, Mark? I don't think. I think the jury's still out with it, isn't it? Oh well, that's a that's some homework. I'll get on to that, and we'll um, when we pick up with part two of our basic rabbit consult, yes, I'll tell right. you about cramp because you because um, although you probably don't experience cramp too much because you don't run around too much on the basketball I, court, I do you? You sort of sit under that. You just sit and shoot those three points, you don't, don't you? don't exercise much, you don't have to worry about cramp. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, speaking about rabbit holes, Mark, that was a big one there, but um, I think we've just about used up most of our time for this one, but they'll be kicking us off the internet in a moment. So, yes, uh, we will do part two next week. And the big one there we need to chat about is diet, I think, is what we're going to get into next, Mark. Um, and then we will go through the actual examination of the rabbit. And there's certainly a few tips that I've that I've learnt over the years, Mark, about what to do and what not to do um, as far as trying to handle these animals and do a proper systematic clinical examination. So I think that's something to to look forward to next week, Mark, as, as we go into part two of bunny, bunny care for that first consultation. So I think with that, we will sign off and... Um, I've got to go and um, jump on the foam roller, Mark, and try and get rid of this cramp. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website, vetgurus.com, where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time.